25 years and my life is still Trying to get up that great big hill of hope For a destination I realized quickly when I knew I should That the world was made up of this brotherhood of man For whatever that means Into a crisis Bedtime Hour with your hosts, Hadouli and me, Julie. Tonight and every night, we'll be reading excerpts from Stephen R. Donaldson's book, Lord Fowl's Bane. We'll be interviewing a series of experts on Lord Fowl's Bane and reenacting scenes from the excerpts that we've just read of Lord Fowl's Bane. Tonight's dramatic reading will be done by Hadouli Stanky. Thank you. Sure. Tonight, we will be reading pages one through four. Feel free to take notes and email us any questions that you might not, that you might have. Our email address is fantasybedtimehour at hotmail.com. Page one. She came out of the store just in time to see her young son playing on the sidewalk directly in front of the path of the gray, gaunt man who strode down the center of the walk like a mechanical derelict. For an instant, her heart quailed. Then she jumped forward, gripped her son by the arm, snatched him out of harm's way. The man went by without turning his head. As his back moved away from her, she hissed at it. Go away! Get out of here! You ought to be ashamed! Thomas Covenant's stride went on, as unfaltering as clockwork that had been wound to the hilt for just this purpose. But to himself he responded, ashamed, ashamed? His face was contorted in a wild grimace. Beware, outcast, unclean! At this point he sees a bunch of people pass. Um, his inner shouting collapses. Um, he, and he has to check for scratches on his body. He also uh, looks at the heel of his right palm, across to where his last two fingers have been, um, he could hear the doctor saying, V-S-E, What are you Mr. doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Paraphrasing the first... He was nearing his destination, a goal of the affirmation of the proclamation that he so grimly undertaken. <laughs> so then he also passes this courthouse, and um, then he, you know, is just talking about the courthouse, and then um, he's also talking about how you know, in a town of no more than 5,000, the business section was not large. 
Covenant crossed in front of the department store, and through the glass front, he could see several high school girls pricing cheap jewelry. They leaned on the counters in provocative poses, and Covenant's throat tightened involuntarily. He found himself resenting the hips and breasts of these girls. Curves for other men's caresses, not his. He was impotent. In the decay of his nerves, his sexual capacity was just another amputated member. Uh, then he has this other memory of Joan, and then he's... Um, and then he's uh, bracing his shoulders like a strangler as he's suppressing this memory. Um, and then he stops in the street for some reason and then starts again, you know, walking mechanically. Um, he caught a glimpse of ochre. Uh, two months ago, he mailed the electric company a check, but they sent it back. They didn't even open it. They put this little note on it that said that it had been anonymously paid for a year. Like, how cool is that? Um, so after a private struggle, he had realized that if he did not resist this trend, he would soon have no reason at all to go among his fellow human beings. So today, he was walking two miles into town to pay his phone bill in person, to show his peers that he did not intend to be shriven of his humanity. What's the deal? Like, he's like, um, why does he... What, why is he walking mechanically? I is think he like it has to do. It, I think it has to do with his nerve nerve disorder. He's got a nerve disorder. He's got a nerve disorder, and I think it leaves him where he can't really feel. So he keeps on having to check his hands to make sure he hasn't been injured. Are you he's, sure he's got a nerve disorder? What uh, makes you think he's got a nerve disorder? Well, on page um, two, uh, he has VSE, Mr. Covenant, visual what? surveillance of extremities. Is that a is that a disease? Those dead nerves will never grow back. Oh, that sucks. You'll never know it when you're hurt yourself. Yeah, see. Unless you sucks. get in the habit of checking. Hmm. Well, how do you check yourself for BSE? I think you look. How do you have BSE? Um, perhaps like if you like look at yourself and you notice that maybe perhaps you've almost cut a finger off but you didn't feel it. <laughs> And it takes your eyes to actually see that you've almost gotten a finger off. Okay. You know, I, I think one of my questions, or is this like, that grimace on his face, they seem to, to really talk about that in the beginning, like, like maybe that was one of the reasons why people were so offended to be near him. Do you have any ideas of what that grimace might, might be like? You say that he's uh, grimacing, or like he's wildly yeah, grimacing. Yeah, the book said I, he was grimacing. Um, so I think, uh, because he probably doesn't have that much facial, uh -huh. you know, I think it probably looks something like, like this. But that doesn't seem very grimacing. <laughs> it might look something like this. Hmm. You know, I was thinking too that if maybe he looked, maybe possibly like this. Oh, I gotcha. Um... But I think the grimace look. Well, he might have. He might have looked like this. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> oh, um, Thomas Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but no. Back to uh, Lord Fowl's man. You know, and what was the whole deal with like his penis? And then a whole scene where he's watching the, the teenage girls. You know, I, I think he might have been jealous of those girls. I mean. Because, you know, like he didn't have a penis. Oh, oh, he totally had a penis. I think it was metaphorical of his impotence. No, no, I think you're wrong. I, I think he didn't have a penis. No, it was metaphorical. Look, whatever. He didn't have a penis, right?
It's metaphorical. He didn't have a penis. It's totally metaphorical. Wait, Steve, what do you think? Did he have a penis or not? I think Kellogg was responsible for a lot of genital mutilation back in the 20s and 30s. You know, the father of Kellogg's cornflakes. I think now it's time for the fantasy action sequence. Tonight's fantasy action players in order of appearance are Cameraman Steve, Adult Gladiator, Karatika, and Mananoka Rope. We have our very first Lord Calsbane expert, and his name is Tyler Owens. Well, this is this is great. I've, I've, we're so impressed that you've uh, read Lord Calsbane and understood it. How many times have you read it? I think about three or four. Oh! Wow! Wow! Nice. That's and, okay, how many of those three or four times did you understand it? All of them. Nice. That would be every time. I know that you probably have a lot of uh, things in, in common with um, either Stephen R. Donaldson or uh, Thomas Covenant. Do you want to name um, five? 
Five things I have in common with Thomas Covenant. Or a Stephen R. Donaldson. You can combine those two. Um, I'm a skeptic, like Covenant. Uh, can be very stubborn, like Thomas Covenant. Hmm. Um, like Platinum. Uh, but that's pretty much it. I'm running out of three ooh, at this ooh, point. Ooh, you're a guy. I'm a guy. Oh, well, is your middle name start with an R? No, it doesn't. So when you say um, skeptic, what is what does the word skeptic mean? I think that the term skeptic originates with a sect of Greek philosophers. I'm not completely certain. Now. Tig, um, I think it's the time of night where we need to just dive directly into the question. Um, within the, you know, second or third paragraph of the book, um, the woman's heart quails and she grabs her child out of the path of Thomas Covenant. What does that mean? Well, it means that he's effectively ostracized from the community in which he lives. This is because he's a leper. And this is one of the major themes of the book, that Thomas Covenant is a leper and that his wife has left him because of this. Wait a minute though, wait, don't ruin the book for the readers, I mean, because... Dude, we only read like we only read one through four. four. Well, it's, it's a major theme, you can't really get away from it, I don't think I'm spoiling well, anything hold on. at this point. Hold on, well, okay, well, I have two questions, because we're talking about the... Quail heart, which yeah, is a whole other issue. But now I'm incensed about the um, leprosy because we agreed, or we both thought, that he had a disease called VSE. VSE. Because mm -hmm. right here, hold on. I think. And I could be know, wrong, but I think VSE stands for. There it is. The wait, way wait, wait, let's see if he knows what it stands for. Okay, I can't remember the exact. I can't remember what the acronym is, but I thought that it was his way of monitoring himself to make sure that his leprosy had not progressed or that he hadn't injured himself because he's lost his ability to feel uh, his extremities. So he has to constantly monitor himself to make sure he hasn't had a cut that he can't feel, that kind of thing. And ah. I thought that VSE was his method for doing this. And Julie, what does VSE stand for? Did you see that? Then? I did see that. That changes everything though. Um, Visual, <coughs> visual, yes, visual survey, yes, visual surveillance. Yes, yes. woohoo! All right, wow. what? Back to the quailing of the heart, yeah. though. What does when her heart quailed? What did her heart do? What did it do? Yeah. Well, I think that might have been a metaphorical expression, referring to her feelings that she was frightened for herself and her child that they might come into contact with the unclean leper. Really? Because we thought, well, who's, who's right here? Because I thought that um, that when her heart was quailing, it actually was uh, more like quails, you know? Like how they come out of like shadowy bushes together like a family, um, and they avoid uh, people. It's and, oh, oh, make the noise! Make the noise! I think it was like, like, well, I was thinking like if the heart was going to make a noise too, it would probably be like, whoo! Is that right? Yes, yes, it is. Yes. Good yeah. noise. Good noise. But that's what I thought. But Heatherly thought. No, I think I pretty much thought the same thing, except mine had a lot more flapping involved. When her heart quailed, it was almost like the bird was flapping. And so if one of us was going to be right, would it be me or Heatherly? 
Want to be noisy or flappy? Or both? <laughs> can, we <laughs> can we possibly both be right? Uh, I think that's more of an etymological question. You're really asking, what does the term quail mean, and what is its, what is its deeper meaning? So, what does it come from? It may come from the behavior of quail when they, uh, well, quail, and uh, I think I would go more with flappy, but that's entirely a, a personal judgment. No, no, you're right. Oh, it's stupid. It's okay. It's but what okay. does etymological mean? It's uh, the study of the history of words. Nice. Now he seems to be walking around with a like a funny grimacy face. What do you think that face looks like? Could you demonstrate for us? Um. Please. <laughs> that probably wouldn't I, I don't, do it. I don't know. Was that? Try this. That's what I thought. That's what I thought he looked like too. Remember? I thought it looked yeah. like this. But that's Your not really... Okay, but my point is... Um, well, I that's a lot closer than Heather Lee's I don't face. think that's really grimacy, though. Well, show them your face. I think well, maybe more right? like... Who's right? Well, what's, I, what's I, your grimace? I have to okay, see okay. your grimace. See, I think his... In my opinion, I think that was a little too flat. And that wouldn't really strike fear in anyone. I think maybe more of a... No. <laughs> I'd have maybe to... Maybe a little bit wait, more yeah. of a Billy but Idol thing. In my going. defense, in my defense... Like, if he really does have this VSC or leprosy, uh-huh. then, um, then his muscles would have atrophied enough that he's just kind of... That's why he walks around like a stra- strangler all the time. A strangler? A robot. Okay, well, I have to go with, with your grimace, because... What, what, you mean my, your grim- her grimace is in the lack of grimace? In your face! <laughs> If there's lack of grimace, it's a grimace. Oh, what? Okay, show me again. It's an etymological grimace. Show me again. Whatever. I think we should discuss the guy in the ochre robe. (gasps) Yes. Thank you so much. I think I would have spaced the ochre robe. Now, what color is ochre? Um, I would see ochre as a kind of reddish brown. Uh, Maybe a slightly more burnt version of. The color of this blazer. Is that important? Like, why? The color ochre? Yeah, is that important? Like, like why wasn't it chartreuse? Or why wasn't it just black robe? Like, why something so obscure as ochre? I think that chartreuse is more obscure as a color than ochre. Ooh, is that symbolic? That, um, because it's so obscure as a color, um, that maybe that, um, I don't know. Yeah, you can well, ask for Ito I I'm guessing, um, but just to play off against black and chartreuse, um, black is obviously an ominous and color associated with yeah. and evil death. Uh-huh. Uh, chartreuse, I, I mean, that would just be a little ridiculous. Um, hey, are you... Ochre is a very earthy color. I okay. think that the fact that it's very earthy has uh, some thematic significance in the book. All right. Are you um, are you sure that VSE? Isn't a disease? I'm sure the VSE is not. Well, in the book, VSE is not a disease. There may be a disease called VSE, but that is not what's referred to in the book. Okay. You know, Ty, we were hoping you could draw us a diagram of the town. Mm-hmm. Would that be all right? Sure. Oh, but wait, before you draw a diagram, I, I have another question. 
Um, in here, there's a sentence that talks about um, how, you know, how he could have mailed the money to the phone company, but he had learned to see that act as a surrender, an abdication to the mounting bereavement to which was being practiced against him. Now, what does abdication mean? I've never heard that word before. Uh, abdication means to uh, relinquish or give up responsibility. Uh, most common usage would be a monarch abdicating their throne, meaning giving up their monarchical duties and passing it on to whoever the next in line is. Wow, this is such an honor to have uh, such an expert uh, in bed with us. Yes, it is. Yeah. Hey, um, Steve, could you put the paper and the pen over there for a uh, time? <laughs> there you go, Tiny. Okay. This is really exciting, like, to see an expert, you know, drawing the diagram of the town. Hey, there's some music over here. This as Covenant's farm, um, and then this is uh, the woman who he first encounters, who takes her child away from him. And uh, there are more buildings around here that I didn't draw in. He also passes the courthouse. These are the um, crossroads for the main business district of the town. Uh, that's the department store where he sees the uh, counter girls. That's the electric company offices, and that would be uh, the Bell Telephone Company office. Wow. Good. You know, you, you, you really are an expert. You know, you busted that out pretty fast. Would you like to see our diagrams? Sure. Great. Um, mine's right here. I think Hathaway's is pretty close to yours, actually. Yeah, yeah, let's look at the similarities. Yeah, let's, let's look at the similarities between us. Hathaway's, you want to explain yours again? I also have the woman and her quailing heart and the little voice, and I knew that happened near the grocery store. And, um, and then here is the town, kind of similar to yours. Here's the store with the uh, teenagers that he ogled. Um, there's the courthouse and um, the phone company. Okay. Well, hey, it's really great. Julie, what do you want to? Wanna... Let me show you my chart. All right. Actually, my chart is nothing like your chart, but I did get the house. Um, okay. In, in my chart, here's the house, and that's Thomas Covenant, and I've tried to make um, the stink lines because he's so unclean, and that's the woman with the quailing heart, and uh, well, whatever. Anyway, so then he's walking down this path, and he runs into the Oka Row. And he finally gets to Pacific Bell, where they say, your money is no good here, unclean. But that doesn't actually happen, does it? 
Well, no, we we took some, you know, creative embellishments. Like even even online, you'll notice that the woman over here with the quailing heart said, "Don't ever go near him again." And she didn't actually, <laughs> actually say, say that, that in, in the, the book. Novel. But you know what, though, I think that was more um, like implied. Yeah, and I don't okay. think the girls were actually topless in the store. I, I took that as symbolic. On your part. Yeah. Well, see, okay, that's another thing Whereas I have. The, this is a map. This is much more like a flowchart. <laughs> I think Lord Fell's Bane is so cool. Oh, so, so Ty, what was your favorite part um, of pages one through four? Well, that's that's tough because I know the rest of the book. Um, he knows the rest of the book. Yeah, but, but this episode's specifically about pages one through four. Yeah. What was your favorite part of one through four? I would, I would say the encounter with the the ochre robe stranger. Oh, I love the ochre robe stranger. It's a very powerful. Emily, what was your favorite pages. part of the first four pages? You know, I think my favorite part of the first four pages is, you know, when he was talking about how. You know, he felt impotent, and it was almost as if being castrated. But which I'm so assured that that's just metaphorical, and that he's really still has a penis. Totally. Um. So, Tig, like, what was your other favorite part about the book? My other favorite part about the book, or about the first? Oh, four oh, pages? first four pages. First four pages. My other favorite part would probably be his reaction to the courthouse. Well, I think my favorite part was the uh, free utilities that he got. I, you know, like with the free groceries and the, and the free phone just because he was um, a leper. I wonder yeah. if you could get free utilities if I was a leper, or if you were a leper. I wonder how one would fake leprosy, because I don't know if I'd really want it. I think it seems to me that you just um, you have to be really unclean. Okay, we can start with that. Well, I'd just like to really thank Juliana and Heatherwood for the opportunity to star in this episode of Fantasy Bedtime Hour. Well, thank you for joining us tonight and our wonderful rendition of Lord Fowl's Bane. You know, we really encourage viewer mail. It, it really helps us and it, it can get to like really good deep issues. So please feel free to email us at fantasybedtimehour at hotmail.com. Let's go!